Welcome to The Room to Write. We're doing a series called The Journey of a Story, where we highlight local authors who are going to introduce their work and how the work went from idea to actual book or tangible product at the end. So we're here with Carol Gordon Exter, and uh, she wrote You Know What, and she's going to talk about that. So hey, Carol, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about how you came to be a writer. Okay. I like to say that um, writing came to me. I didn't come to writing because I find it very stressful. I probably still do, but not as much. But when I was younger, it was a very difficult task. But having taught for 35 years, I worked with kids on their writing. I had writing workshops, and I loved helping them write. But I did, I did see that um, when you corrected children, they would uh, be very emotionally upset. And until I started writing myself, uh, I got it. And I think having become a writer definitely made me a better teacher. But um, let, let's veer back how writing came to me. Uh, I had no intention of writing myself, even though I helped kids write. But I was on the beach. Uh, actually, I had just turned 50 a few months before that. And out of the clear blue, uh, I got up. I went to my car and got post-its and a pen and started writing my first book. I, I don't know why. Um, and, uh, and then it just went from there. That book was never published, and it was pretty awful. <laughs> when I look back, I did everything wrong. Uh, but I immediately became involved in SCBWI, the Society of Children's Writers and Illustrators, uh, joined critique groups, started reading everything I could. and. Um, and I was very fortunate because it only took me a couple of years to get my first contract because it's hard work. And obviously, I started uh, with the first book that I wrote that um, would never have been published to the 20th book I wrote was the first book that sold. Wow. So it, it does definitely take time uh, until uh, you So I think an it's expert. interesting you said the post-it notes because yeah. I think people have this idea of how writers write and that they're in a, a room with a typewriter or a computer or they're in a cafe smoking a cigarette and <laughs> with a hat on. Uh, but I mean, I, what, so did it sort of writing come over you that you just looked for whatever you had on right. hand and you just sort of had to get it out? And right. I just think that's an interesting point to sort of highlight what you wrote on and how, how well, that, that was happened. the first time. But after, I didn't want to be caught without paper. Um, as a matter of fact, my husband bought me a gift for the car uh, because sometimes I would stop in the car. Uh, something would come over me because ideas, see, I started late and ideas were flooding me. Um, and I wanted to pull over and write things or while I was driving. So he got me one of those little recorder devices um, so that I could record while I was in the car. Uh, but I, now I always have, um, I get a lot of my ideas at night in, in the middle of sleep. So I always have um, pen and paper uh, by my bed. I wake up saying something mm -hmm. or uh, a line comes to me um, that, you know, that would solve a problem. And I uh, write it down and then look the next morning. I find it interesting sometimes I find from years later, like a little piece of paper in a drawer or <laughs> whatever. And um, actually I just started a draft from something from a long time ago, a little post-it that I that I wrote. All right, and that's another great point too, um, is never throw anything out, I guess. No. Uh, and maybe you can talk about an example of 
when you had written something and you just sort of squirreled it away and then uh, all of a sudden how did you decide that maybe I should go back and find this or was it you just came across it and then developed it from there? Well, sometimes like, uh, like I said, the first book that sold was the 20th. But for some reason, sometimes you read something uh, that a publisher is interested in or uh, for my third book, uh, Before I Sleep, I Say Thank You. I was at a writing group, which I am in four critique groups. Uh, I, I don't know what I'd do without critique groups because I feel like you get the, from the universe, there are ideas and other suggestions and I wanna take everything that's gonna make my writing better. So I can't get enough feedback. Um, so this particular writing group I was at, somebody mentioned that they went to this publisher in Boston and they were looking for a book on forgiveness and she was gonna work with them. And I left that night and said, oh, I wrote years before um, a book on gratitude. Maybe I'll take that out again. And it happened to be that this particular book started as a Jewish book uh, from the bedtime Shema, because I woke up saying before I sleep, it's time to pray, to thank you God for this good day. And I wrote it down, I said, that means something if I'm waking up and saying it. Mm. Uh, and uh, it never got published and it got 30 rejections. But I went home that night and said, let me take a look at this. And I looked at it and I said, oh, I think it could go to a Catholic publisher and you know, whatever. I sent it in. Now that was 10 years later after I had uh, written it, did I, did I hold that book in my hand? So uh, sometimes you have to pull it out again and see, hey, look, there, another book just came out that's similar to that topic. Maybe I can rework that. Um, right, and so, uh, you said a couple times that your 20th book was the first one to get published. Right. So uh, explain that a little bit. And, you know, well, what 20th, does that exactly I should mean? say 20th manuscript. So okay. I just recently sent out my 80th. Um, oh so, uh, but you know, that, that sounds great. Uh, but if people knew that I have over 1,400 rejections, so, um, you know, I'm sending it out. Uh, you have to really work hard at this. Uh, it's really not a hobby if you want to get published. I've sent it out over 1,400 times, and I have uh, four books published, one magazine and one ebook. So uh, that's not great odds. Uh, <laughs> so you have to really persevere, and you have to do your homework. Um, Part of that homework is reading other picture books. For me, I'm a picture book writer. Mm -hmm. So I take out stacks of books from the library. I read up on every new book and um, always, I'm always reading to see what's out there. And then I might see something, oh, I have a book similar to that. Who published it and uh, you know, what, because things are always coming around. Um, right, and so when you say you sent out like 1,400, uh, is that you're sending it directly to publishers. publishers. Do you have an agent that sends no, I, things? I, I, or I how wish do you I had an agent, really. Um, but picture book writers make very little money. So for an agent to get 15% of your little money, uh, it's really, really hard to get an agent. So even after I'm published, um, I still, sometimes I send out, I'm not counting the 1,400 is just to publishers. I have others that I've sent to um, agents. So, uh, and I, you know, keep getting rejected. Even sometimes I've had a deal uh, and, you know, would you help me with this? But it's, it's you know, it's, it's hard. Mm -hmm. One day would be nice because then I, maybe I could get to, um, with a bigger publisher. Right. Uh, but you know what, small publishers are nice because they take better care of you in a way. You're mm -hmm. just um, not uh, one of many. Uh, so it's, it, it's a nice relationship. So I'm, I'm happy with, 
my journey. Right. Uh, but yes, I would like an agent. <laughs> so, um, and talking about sort of the money thing, which I think is another thing people are curious about, and talk about that. Uh, you're not an illustrator. You're just a, uh, the you're the just author. Writer, yeah. um, not to say just an author, <laughs> but uh, I mean, in terms of money, does that is that play a part because you're now having to pay an illustrator as well, or oh, how does I don't that pay work? the illustrator? If you're if but, you're I mean, published with a it? regular um, publisher. The, they pay the illustrator. So uh, perhaps if you're an author illustrator, you might get 10%, but as a, just the author, um, you get 5%. And that's usual. I mean, I have four different books, and one is 3%, one's 5%, one's 6%, one is 15%. So it's, you know, it's, it's kind of different you, with, with every contract. Okay. Um, and do they give you anything up front, or is just I based have on sales? gotten things up front, not with uh, my newest book, which is okay. uh, in, in, an international publisher, and uh, they don't give uh, upfront money, which is really fine because then you have to, you know, work it back. You get, you know, the, they you work it off. So um, okay. And I think that brings us to another point we talked about before, and that was that. Uh, this is a passion, not necessarily your uh, bread and butter, basically. Right. So um, I think that's important for young people or, or people that are looking to write. And mm -hmm. I, I mean, uh, one thing I hear a lot is uh, you have to know why you want to, why are you writing? Right. And maybe when you started, you was your goal to publish or was no. it just to weave a nice story? I mean, how did oh, you I, start? I guess I thought it might I might come to being published. Uh, you know, I, I was a teacher who read that my master's is in reading and language. I read picture books uh, four or five times a day to, to, you know, enhance my curriculum in multiple ways for social reasons, for math. I read it for, for everything. Kids uh, knew that they came to my class, they were going to hear a lot of different books. So I thought I knew what I was doing until I got my first couple of rejections. And then, um, you know, then I realized I had a lot of work to do. And I enjoyed the journey. Mm -hmm. I never said, I have to be published, because otherwise you're just going to be discouraged. There's a lot of discouragement. Uh, I just heard um, yesterday that I, uh, from the same company for You Know What, I had sent a s sequel with the same character because I saw that they liked to use the same character, mm -hmm. and they rejected it. And I felt, and I had run it by the illustrator first, which is very unusual. Mm -hmm. But I knew she'd have to illustrate. Right. And um, and this company is fabulous in that they encourage the illustrator and the author to work together. In the U.S., that's not been my experience. They keep us apart. Mm -hmm. So uh, the, I loved this idea, and I sent it to her, and we ran ideas back and forth. But then they rejected it. But I just might pick myself up and change the name and send it out again. Right. Because that's what you have to do. Otherwise, uh, you're not going to get anywhere in this business. Okay. So that, and that's a great point. And that's sort of like what you did with the other Jewish bedtime yes, story you, you have wrote. To. You just sort of rebranded it almost. And, uh, yeah. and it's not just, you know, I'm, uh, uh, I'm very low on the totem pole with authors, like famous authors like Jane Yolen. I went to her picture book boot camp. Mm -hmm. She still gets rejections. She has 350 books. She's a big name in um, children's literature, and she still gets rejections. So uh, we have to understand that that's just part of the process. Rework it, send it to someone else, uh, and just you know, yeah, learn right. from your mistakes as best you can. Right. And so with the rejections, do they ever give you feedback, or is it just flat yes. out no? Uh, yes, uh, some do. Uh, for my first book, um, I, I got uh, feedback that really helped me shape the story from an editor. 
And actually, after it was published, I sent her um, a book with, signed um, because I said, thank mm -hmm. you. If it wasn't for you, it, this, it, you know, I don't think it would have been published. So, um, yes. Um, so uh, do you want to sort of walk us through the book that we're going to focus on today? And, yes. Uh, maybe talk about where, where did this idea come from? Where did you first think of it in whatever random way? And did you write it down right away, or did you tell somebody, or how did how it sort of uh, started out? And then also, uh, you know, maybe you had a quick peek of in your mind of what you thought it might end up as, and uh, how did that journey? Did it change along the way, or did it pretty much end the way you thought it would? Well, this is unusual because I have a very specific journey in how it started. I was on the way to meet my grandson for the first time, so I know the exact date. He was born August 6, uh, 2014, and um, I was on the plane August 8th. And I always think, isn't it amazing that I was on that plane sitting one seat behind, you know, I chose my seat myself, it was Southwest, and I happened to be sitting behind a little boy. I always do writing on, my, on a plane. I do my best writing on a plane. I've done amazing revisions. It's that tight space. Uh, I have uh, my laptop open as much as possible. I'm always working. And I had my laptop open, and I heard the boy in front of me, which sometimes I don't hear because I'm so focused. Mm -hmm. I heard him very clearly say to his parents, you know what? And I, my fingers went right to, you know what? I started a new document, and I just started brainstorming. So I just made it like a, you know, um, cause and effect kind of things. You know what? Uh, this happened. If you don't share, this happens. And I just, you know, was making all those uh, cause and effect things. And my husband looked over and saw me, you know, uh, get excited. And, um, and then he made some, he was making some funny jokes of, you know what. Uh, and uh, I, you know, when I landed, I closed the laptop and I was pretty busy with my new grandson. And I don't remember the exact date because sometimes I wish I wrote down everything, but I have a lot of stories going on. So I don't write down everything. But within a week or two, I started to work on that draft, and it became, it, it just goes from the brain to my fingers. I didn't mm. think about it, but it just became a bedtime story of um, a little boy and his mom, uh, and he's delaying bedtime, and he keeps asking her, you know what? So it, it just was different cause and effect statements. It had no tie and no story when I first did that first draft. Mm -hmm. And then actually when I got the draft down and sent it right out, because I was excited about the story for some reason. I sent it right out to my critique group. Someone in that critique group said, take out the dad, because I was saying, said mom, said dad. And then it could just be between, you wouldn't need any um, you know, dialogue tags. It mm -hmm. just would be a conversation between the mom and um, the little boy. And I loved that idea. And so you know, it, it became that. And this story did not go. I sent it out to only two of my critique groups. Usually I sent it out to more. But then I saw a, um, one of the emails about a, um, from a writing group said Clavis Publishing was having a contest. And so um, I wasn't finished with this draft. I sent another draft of something else. And I did not win that contest. Uh, but I got to look at their catalog, and I loved their books. And so when this was finished, this was the second company I sent it to, the first time I sent it out, I got a lovely rejection. And they said all the nice things about it. I used what they said about it and sent that to the next company about fun family antics and uh, you know whatever they said, a sweet bedtime story. I took that out and sent it to Clavis. Now that was so I only got one rejection before that. 
Now my other ones have 30 rejections, 16 rejections. All my books have mm -hmm. many rejections until they were taken. So this kind of happened uh, quickly. Right. Quickly, I say, but then, you know, mm -hmm. till they found the illustrator and all that. But it didn't change that drastically from the, that uh, first draft. Just a couple of small things. Mm -hmm. um, and I like that you took what that first editor or publisher said and, right. and used and that instead yes, of, exactly. like you said, being like, oh, they didn't like it. You actually Well, actually, they said they really liked it, but their picture book plate was full. Yeah. Uh, now, <laughs> I don't know if that's a, a line or whatever. Uh, but the other interesting thing is uh, when I first sent it out, um, I ended on this last, uh, this, this last page. Uh, because it was supposed to be just a sweet book. You know, he's tired, she's already tired, the mom, because he keeps saying, you know what. And um, he says, one more, you know what. And she's, he sa she says, Oliver, I'm sleepy too, I hope it's good night. And he says, no, mommy, it's I love you. Oh, love you too, so much, sweet dreams. And I ended it there. And someone in that online critique group said, and he's only been in it one time, and that I happened to send this, is to me like a miracle. He said, why end it there? Why not have something a little more cheeky and fun? And so the last <laughs> thing is, mommy, you know what? And I loved that because having been a teacher, and I'll show you right away, I, as soon as he said that, I went and made up a sheet um, to go with it. If I can find it here. So I made up a sheet so that if I did a, a book signing or a classroom presentation, kids could write what they think that last you know what was. Oh, and I love that you can do more with the book right. afterwards, read or think. And the other interesting thing was is that after the um, art director looked at the, and they took the, the story, but um, then when they look at the first sketches and they see the sketches, the art director said, oh, I love what she did with this page. Maybe we should end there, it's so sweet. And I said, uh, yeah, I love this. I think people will stop here, but I want them to end with a laugh. Uh, and so I think this is a great ending. Mm. But I hear you concerned, like maybe it should have a satisfying ending for parents. They don't want the kid to be acting up. And I had just read a book um, about using end pages, and so, I said, how about if on the end pages we show him asleep? And um, they loved that idea. And so we did that, and so it comes with a satisfying ending. And I like how we work together as a team. That's what I loved about this company. We worked as a team to, um, to work that out. And I love how the illustrator, see, she added, nowhere in my story does it say, you know, to add stuffed animals. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the stuffed animals are actually like, you could, every page they have like expressions. Mm -hmm. So she added a whole other layer. Uh, you could look at their expressions and yeah. feel like there are more characters there. Yeah, right. Yeah, I love that. Um, and did you want to talk about how uh, you fir wait, the first title that you gave it didn't end up being? Oh, right. That's yeah. That, so on the plane, um, I heard you know you know what, and I started getting crazy because everywhere I went, that's all I would hear is you know what, you know what, <laughs> and if you listen, people say it all the time. So I wrote, you know what? And um, it's even in the catalog as YA, you know what? And then just before it went to print, I got an email uh, that said, we're a little concerned with the you know what. Um, 
what you know, if American libraries or other people where we think maybe it should be you know what. And I was so crushed, I didn't sleep that night because I felt like everybody says you know what, but I slept on it or didn't sleep on it. And um, you know, I thought, oh, you know, it probably for people to find it. And really, if you stop and listen, you know what is correct English, mm -hmm. and they will write. And I'm really happy with it because the first because first the book came out uh, in Dutch. They were uh, international company and they print everything in Dutch first so we didn't have to deal with that so it was after this came out Mama Wister Dot um, that they approached me about the you know what so it was kind of a late change but it just shows you uh, you can always change or hopefully the reprint because um, you know they in their all their Dutch books never had jackets and um, that was a very last-minute decision to add a jacket which covers up the boy sleeping but they said on a reprint I hope mm -hmm. um, that it will, uh, they'll move the picture of him so that people will see that he's um, sleeping. And it also was bought in, uh, for uh, the Korea, a Korean publisher, was, uh, the rights were purchased from a Korean publisher and a Chinese publisher. So mm -hmm. that's very exciting. That's my first time. That is um, very exciting. And is there okay. a particular reason why different cultures are drawn to it? Or, you know, is there like I, the fact that a Dutch company bought it first? Or uh, because, well, they said it's, um, in my acceptance letter, it was something like most families will relate to that. So I think it's international. Like right. kids not only delaying bedtime, but you know, asking kids, I don't know about what it, how it's said in other languages, mm -hmm. uh, but th they say, you know what, or you know, I'm sure um, it's, it's something that kids say, and I never thought of it. I, I mean, I heard it from a kid's mouth, but right. I never really thought about it. And now I wonder, oh, what could I do with that? Because I hear it constantly. You know what? You know what? Right. So. And uh, do you want to talk at all about the actual, like, the drafts that you went through? I mean, was the text inside pretty much the same as it started? Or did you, um, and also a little more maybe about your critique groups. Are they all online? Is this uh, a group that you meet with in person? Is well, there's three in person and um, one in line. And, uh, yeah, it's... Um, this draft, as I say, didn't change that dramatically, a few words. Um, I think that what I focus on as a picture book writer um, is every word, or especially every verb. Is there a better verb? Uh, and not to be lazy, because you could rewrite it. And so this book was hard for me in that being a teacher, I really, I love beautiful language. I love lyrical texts. And this is a very... Um, you know, youthful thing and, and kind of you repeat you know what a lot. And so um, there wasn't that much to have lyrical or beautiful language. And I had to get past that because kids are going to enjoy the story for the story and the beautiful illustrations and that they're going to relate to it. But most of my books I try really hard to have s some beautiful language in there and strong verbs. And so I spend a lot of time uh, every single one of my manuscripts has another a document on my desktop that says sentences. And so I try, like, take one sentence and rewrite it many times. I heard uh, Linda Sue Park, and she won a New, uh, Newbery, uh, talk about that at a conference, uh, how she, her one, I think it's called Yum Yuck, her one picture book, she took every sentence and wrote it 10 different ways and chose the best one. And that really influenced me, and that was early in my writing career. So I do that. Uh, I have a sentence document for every single story I write. Because I don't, I, I don't think we should be lazy. I think we should give kids the very best we can give. Mm -hmm. So if there's a way I can go back and write it, I mean, I remember sending out, after I got the contract, I sent it out to my online critique group again. 
and said, um, what do you think about this sentence? Even there's a word bug or insects in here. Which word sounds better? And mm -hmm. I took people's feedback. Because mm -hmm. then when you realize this is really going to touch kids' lives and kids are going to read this, I worried about every word. Right. So, um, yeah, I got feedback even after that it was contracted. Okay. And uh, so for your critique groups, how did you get involved in them? And uh, uh, how long have you been in them? And et cetera, et cetera. 15, et cetera. as soon as I started writing, uh, I found out about SCBWI. So um, usually uh, you, we, you, know, you bring a manuscript, you print up enough for everybody. Sometimes we send it ahead online. Mm -hmm. And then we all meet, and everybody has their copy, and we talk about it. So while people are talking, see, this is one, um, a recent one that I just went to, so I saved it. Uh, and it, you know, I scribble all over it. I take people's suggestions, and then I usually go home that day, that night, or let it sink in. I go back over everybody. Everybody gives you their copy with their okay. notes on it. So I go back, and I see what rings true for me, you know, like those comments uh, for this book. There were a couple that rang true for me, and then I, I take people's suggestions if I'm comfortable with it, and I think it makes sense and makes my story better. So uh, sometimes, uh, I know this recent one, uh, I think I'm going to rework the whole manuscript. I don't like that it was a conversation. I think it needs to be third person. So sometimes just something hits you afterwards. Nobody even said that, but I went home and thought about it, that it, it doesn't seem to be working. Um, and, you know, I used to feel hurt about that, like I related to the kids that I taught. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, this doesn't feel good. Why don't they say it's fabulous? Well, it's not. You could probably always make everything better. So, um, you know, that's a gift to be able to rework it. Revision is, to me, the meat and potatoes of writing. That's where you go back and you make it better. Do you wait a certain length of time after you get feedback to sort of let it soak in and then revise, or is there any set pattern that you use for that? No, there's no, for me, there's no set pattern. Okay. If I'm inspired and I have time, I go back that night um, and, and work on it. If uh, the next day I feel like working on it, or like sometimes I just open another document. I have so many that have not been sold. Sometimes I just open something uh, because I saw something that maybe I want to send this to another publisher, and then I open it and go, ooh, that first line is just not good enough and then I'll rework that first line. So uh, I don't, I, I'm lucky I have my own hours and I can work on anything I want to work on when it moves me. Right. So. Um, so, and I guess that kind of makes our way to uh, you as a writer and your process. So uh, if you want to sort of walk us through like what is, some people swear by waking up at the crack of dawn and writing right away. Some people do it at night. Some people, you know, so uh, and where do you write? What do you write with that sort of more personal stuff that you could share with us? Well, I think because I was a teacher for 35 years and I, you know, my life was by the bell, you know, for everything uh, and so structured that I really don't feel like I have a particular s structure. So I write when I move to, and unfortunately, I'm pretty passionate about it, so I spend a lot of my time doing it. But um, I go to exercise every morning. That's my structure. And then I come home, and the rest of the day, I, I can, um, you know, whether I'm moved to go right to the computer and write something, or s sometimes when I have an idea the night before, I go right to the computer and put it down before breakfast or whatever. But usually I wait until I'm relaxed and don't have to rush out of the house, and then I can deal with my manuscript. Okay. And you have to make sure, not just work on your manuscript, but time to send it out, especially if you don't have an agent. 
because that takes time researching. You don't want to just blindly send something out. You want to make sure it's the kind of publisher that takes your work or is looking for that kind of story because that wastes a lot of time. So do you always do your writing at home? Do you write on your laptop? Do you ever go to writing groups or to the library or anywhere public? Or do you prefer, like, I is prefer, it quiet? Or do you I do music? I prefer putting my feet up and writing wherever. I love to write outside if it's nice weather or in my sunroom. I love that. I don't have, uh, I can take my laptop anywhere, uh, wherever I go. I sometimes take it out in the car if I'm not driving. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, if my husband's driving, I can work on it in the car because I do love those confined spaces. So I can work anywhere, uh, but I don't really like going to a public place. I think I would be kind of distracted. Okay. You had proposed to do that you wanted the, your main characters to be multicultural oh, right. uh, and the importance of children being able to see themselves in the books that they're reading. Uh, did you want to talk about that? At well, all? I feel like um, there is a more recent push that people are making us aware that most of the characters in picture books are white. And it's, it's sad for the many other uh, kind of children that there are that they can't see themselves in books. So I knew, uh, actually I wrote it in my pitch, that I would like this uh, to be a multicultural family. And for some reason they didn't pass it on to the illustrator at first. And when I saw the first sketches for You Know What, I immediately wrote to the illustrator and said, uh, you know, if you remember, I asked, can we have a multicultural family? And she said, well, I took the sketches already from my son, uh, and they're Dutch, um, and I could make him uh, darker skinned and like Indian, if that's okay with you. And I said, um, I'd love anything like that. I just feel it's so important to have different kind of characters. Uh, I know that in writing about this book uh, for some different blogs, uh, somebody just asked me to get bedtime stories with multicultural characters so that it not just mine, if I had other ones I could s mention, it's almost impossible to find. Yeah. Uh, a lot of them are animals. Good night books are animals. Yeah. But kids want to see themselves in books. So I was so thrilled and I said, well, how are we going to show, um, uh, because it's a white mom and a, a, a dark-skinned child, how, we, how can we show that? And the illustrator came up with, um, in the bathroom, she shows the dad and two other uh, children, which um, I was at first concerned about because I didn't understand. She, we only see him. And she said, uh, no, that's no problem. I have more than one. Um, and uh, that's what we do. We put them to bed one at a time because I only had one child. So I thought, how could this work? And then I love how she added um, the white dog and a black dog in there as well. So thank you, Carol, for coming in and sharing your story with us. Do you have one last piece of advice for writers? Uh, I, I probably said about revising, but I think it's even more than revising is stick with it. Work your craft. Do as much as you can. Go to conferences, join critique groups. You really have to work your craft. It's not easy. So if you care enough about it, you're going to be great at it. All right, thank you. And if anybody would like to join us in the studio and talk about your story, uh, contact The Room to Write, and the information should be below.